Good morning. Can you guys hear me okay? Good morning. Greetings from, uh, while I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is not super close, but uh, I consider myself from, you know, growing up in South Florida. My name is John Gill. Um, my friends in South Florida, and even Brother Josh calls me Johnny Gill, and uh, I would love to be your friend, and more than that, your fellow brother. So I'm okay if you call me Johnny, all right? But it hasn't, hasn't left, when I left Florida, it feels like the Johnny fell off. Um, I've been super encouraged uh, by meeting some of you, and I visited with some of you the last couple of days. And uh, I thought about bringing an encouragement, but the reality is that you guys, ha you guys have encouraged me and my wife incredibly. And uh, we are, feel like we're blessed and you know, overflowing with joy hearing what the Lord has done here in Portage La Prairie. And also last night we were in Brandon. Uh, what incredible work of the Lord. So we're uh, overflowed, we're flowing with joy. But, uh, um, well, let's get to this message. I think it's more uh, just an encouragement, not, uh, perhaps nothing that you have not heard before. But uh, before we do, let's just ask the Lord, uh, the Lord for help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have in common. Lord, uh, I am very far away from the place where I was born and very far away from the place I grew up. But uh, uh, I'm overjoyed meeting fellow believers who love you. And really the only thing we have in common is that we both know and love the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us. Lord, may he receive all the glory and honor and praise this morning. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, I, I was going to say I also want to apologize for the accent. I hope you could understand me. Um, I just found out, I, I, you know, by some of my fellow brothers and sisters who have left Hutterite colonies that I've been called an Englisher. <laughs> and my English is not, the uh, is not the best because I was actually born in South America. My first language is actually Spanish. And, uh, well, and, you know, gr growing up in Florida, that's how I picked up English. And, uh, and actually, uh, the reality is I know English better than Spanish, but, uh, but uh, it's, it, I thought it was funny and uh, they was calling English here. Uh, let's open our Bibles. We're going to just read a couple of passages. Let's go to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10. And we're just going to read a couple of verses, um, John chapter 10, verse 3. John chapter 10, verse 3. It says there, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I want to stress that. And he leads them out. Now skip down to verse 27. Verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given, uh, given them to me, he is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now let's turn to the epistle of James. Let's go to the epistle of James. Epistle James, chapter 4. Epistle James, chapter 4. And let's break in in verse 6. James, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but give grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And let's stop there, but I will emphasize that phrase. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now let's turn a couple of pages to Revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter 2. My brother quoted this to me last night. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and a new name written on the stone, which, which, which no one knows but he who receives it. Okay, let's make a couple of comments. Those were maybe some random things. Let's make a couple of comments about this. And in this message, I will be telling you some of my personal story. Uh, my family's here, and you know, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to tell you too much their story. This is going to be a very personal message. Uh, and I know we're just, uh, some of you I haven't met yet. But uh, forgive me, I'm going to tell you some very personal things. My brother said, how has the Lord led you? And that's what I'm going to tell you, how the Lord has led me, uh, well, these many years since I've known him. But I want to start off, well, essentially from the beginning. Because, uh, well, I believe, uh, well, I talked to a lot of you, and I know a lot of you are Christian. Now, some of you I haven't met yet, and, you know, I can't assume. I just see your, your wonderful faces smiling here this morning. Uh, um, but, uh, but let's start at the beginning. Christianity, to be a Christian, it's not, a, it's not like other religions, let's say. It's not some belief system. So it's just a bunch of rules you follow, right? It's not a bunch of creeds. It's not some philosophy to live by. In fact, some of you are ex-Hutterites, right? And there was just a bunch of rules you had to follow, right? And that, that's what described as religion. But Christianity is not like that. It's not a, just a bunch of rules, right? Or, or a philosophy to live by, right? Or a code of ethics. It's nothing like that. Christianity is a person, right? Christianity is a person. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your relationship to him. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a person, right? And knowing him and all our, all our hope, all our you know, salvation, eternal life, it's all based on a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Christianity is. And we come into him. Now, a good question 
for those who, maybe you meet somebody on the street, maybe you meet somebody on the street who claims to be a Christian. It's still a good question to say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And I could ask that even this morning. Again, I, I, you know, I, don't, know, I don't know a lot of you. I, have, I know some of you here who do know the Lord Jesus Christ. But I will ask that question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And, uh, and well, that's a great question when, you, again, you meet somebody on the street, and even if you meet somebody who, who claims to be a Christian, right? Do you know the Lord, right? Um, uh, there's many verses we could have read, but, but uh, the preachers say, him to know is life eternal, and they get that from John 17, because the Lord Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom who have sent. If you know him, you have eternal life. Right, and uh, and well, I mean, this is why it's a good question because sometimes, well, there is some uh, some uh, uh, you know scary verses in the Bible, because in Matthew chapter seven, the Lord Jesus there is talking about the last day when you know people stand in judgment, and the Lord Jesus Christ says, so you know, uh, uh, you know, people will come to say, say, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works? Have we not done things? Have we not done things in your name? And the Lord Jesus Christ would say, I never knew you. That's why you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is Christianity. That is salvation. Right? Well, since I'm telling my story, I got to know, and uh, I was very young when I got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I was about seven years old. And it was, uh, you know, my father, my, my, my dad, um, and this is all in Spanish. Like I said, I told you, my original language is in Spanish. But uh, my dad had just been saved, right, gloriously saved, right? And he shared the gospel with me and my two brothers one night before bed. And I believe that's when the Lord saved me. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ when I started my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave me eternal life. Now, I want to say that this eternal life, this relationship, this union, I'm going to use this word, this union with the Lord Jesus Christ is the strongest bond in the whole universe. It's the strongest bond in the whole universe. And if there's many more universes out there, it's stronger than all that. Okay? And, uh, you know, I, uh, I consider myself to know a little bit about science, you know, going to university or whatever. And, uh, you know, I learned about, when I was going to school, I learned about, you know, these, these bonds in chemistry, right? There's ionic bonds and covalent bonds. And then there's these forces of nature, right? I don't know if the kids are learning that in school or whatever. But these forces of nature, there's like the weak force and the electromagnetic force. And then there's the strong force, you know, that holds uh, all the atoms together or whatever. But we read in John 10, right? The Lord Jesus Christ said, my sheep hear my voice, right? And I give to them eternal life and no one's able to snatch them out of my hand, right? And then he says, my father who is greater than all, right? Stronger than all, stronger than all the forces of nature. No one's able to snatch them from his hand. So I say that our union with Christ is the strongest bond in the whole universe, right? Nothing could break that bond, right? Nothing could break that bond, our union with Christ, right? Nothing could break that. Now, I want to go on and say, and this sometimes we, could, we need to, we need to uh, be very clear 
And I want to say our union with Christ, nothing could break that. But there is something called communion, not union, communion with Christ, right? Our walk with Christ, our fellowship with Christ, right? Our everyday relationship with Christ, that could be, that could be ruined, right? That could be broken. We could break our, our fellowship with the Lord Jesus, right? We could fall into sin, right, and, uh, and be estranged from him. And a good example of that, and you know, a lot of you, a lot of you are, are married, right? Uh, my beautiful wife's over there. You can say hello to her. Her, her name, her, her name is Amanda. And uh, you know what? Next year, next year we're going to be married for 20 years, right? So about 19 and a half years ago, I think, or a little bit, a little bit uh, less than that. But about 19 and a half years ago. Right? Me and her stood be, before, before a preacher, and we made promises to each other. Right, We made some tremendous promises, and I was very young. I was, in, I was about to turn 24. I was still 23, but I knew exactly what I was doing. I was committing my life to her. I was uniting my life to her, right? and we made a union between me and her, and I would like to think that our union is very strong. I mean, it's gone you know, 19 and a half years, right? Our union with her, and we made promises that we'll keep and we'll keep to each other, right? And only be with each other. And our life will only be built around each other, right? And that is our union. I'll say our union is, I think the Lord is very strong. But our communion, right? Our everyday walk, well, let me just say that I have not been always the perfect husband, okay? I have, well, and I have, sadly, I have had to ask, to ask her to forgive me when I, when I hurt her. I have, I have broken our relationship somewhat, and I have to come back and say, say, honey, please forgive me. I messed up this way, right? And I have gotten her upset, right? So our union is very strong, but our communion, that, is, that could be a little bit more fragile. I have to work on it, right? And if you're a husband, you're a wife, you have to work on your marriage, right? You have to go and fellowship with one another and live life, right? And sometimes we offend each other. We have to say, I'm sorry, right? And you have to go and repair relationships, right? I mean, I hope I'm not the only, <laughs> the only bad husband up here, okay? All right, but see our communion that that is more fragile. We have to work on that, right? And so our walk with Christ, right? This is a parallel. Our walk with Christ, right? Our our fellowship with Christ, our relationship with Christ, right? We need to work on that, right? The uh, in Psalm twenty-seven, God 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 tells us, God tells the psalmist, seek my face, right? We need to go and constantly be seeking the Lord, right? And getting, getting clo- drawing close, close to him. That's, the, that's, the, that's my message to say, draw near to God, right? We need to work on that. Draw near to God and he will, will draw near to us. Well, and a good question for Christians, right? Someone who is a true Christian and there's a lot of true Christians here in this room. A good question for Christians is, how is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How is your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How is your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or another way to ask it, what does the Lord Jesus Christ mean to you? Right? And well, I'm asking, and rhetorically, you don't have to answer, but what does the Lord Jesus Christ mean to you? Because it's a relationship, right? And we think about family relationships as parallel, right? 
Now, this past Thursday in the United States, I think you guys celebrated a month before, but this past Thursday in the United States, in the, in the United States is Thanksgiving, right? It's the Thanksgiving Day, and I think you guys celebrated in October, I believe. Is that what it is? So uh, the American Thanksgiving was this past Thursday, and you know what we do in America? What we do is usually becomes a, a family gathering, like almost like a family reunion. Aunts, uncles, you know, maybe cousins, maybe distant cousins, they could all get together and have this big meal, right? It's a turkey and all the fixings and all, all this stuff, right? And it's a wonderful time, right? It's a wonderful family time. Uh, so you think about the relationship. Sometimes, sometimes you can meet in a family gathering some, you know, third cousin twice removed, right? And you can meet them for the first time. And you can say hello and, uh, and perhaps, you know, you just met them and you, you walk away and you think like, oh, it's nice to meet them. But you never, perhaps never, ever intend to ever meet them again the rest of your days. You plan to like, hey, I met them. They're so distant, you know, or whatever. Maybe we'll become Facebook friends and that's it, right? But uh, I hope, I hope your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is not like that. Or, you know, sometimes, and this happens a lot in the United States. I don't know if it happens in Canada, but when families get together, there is the crazy uncle, right? I don't know if you have the crazy uncle who has very strong political views, right? And very controversial. And, uh, you know, the crazy uncle is the one that, well, you kind of love him, but, you know, maybe you're a little bit embarrassed. And, hey, let's not talk about politics. Let's not talk about this because, well, it could be a, it could be a pleasant, uh, unpleasant experience to have dinner with your crazy uncle. Well, well I hope we don't, we don't think about the Lord Jesus like that. Or you could, uh, you know, you could, the Lord could be like your cousin who you're so excited to be with and hang out, right? Or, the, or is the Lord someone like a friend, right, who you like to spend time with, right? Isn't that wonderful? Or is the Lord someone like a close friend who you love to spend a lot of time with, right? Someone who's closer than a brother. Or could uh, we say is the Lord Jesus is my best friend, right? Is he, my, is he your best friend, and well, the Bible uses these, these uh, uh, illustrations, and the biggest illustration, and when I was a young man, I didn't like it too much, but the biggest illustration the, the Bible uses, he uses a, a bridegroom and a bride, right? A bridegroom and a bride. Now, being a, being a man and, uh, and being a young man, I, I guess I didn't like the illustration, but the closer I grow to Lord Jesus, the more I like it, because... Well, is the Lord Jesus like your bridegroom, right? Because that's the illustration that the Bible says, right? See, like a bridegroom. Now, I heard, I heard actually, I think I met the bride. I think there's a couple that's getting married like next week or in two weeks or something like that. I don't know if you ever seen a, I don't know if they're like this, but most couple I've seen like, Two, two, you know, two people who are engaged to be married. I don't know if you've seen them. You could be in a group, you know, in a, a family gathering. And if they're engaged to be married, all they do is they sit next to each other. And they just look at each other, right? And they're just like looking at each other. And it's like the whole world doesn't exist, right? It's just them locking eyes. And like there's nothing. Like a bomb could go off down the street. They don't even notice, right? Right? It's like all they do is they just focus on each other. That's how, you know, you know, two lovebirds are that are about to get married, right? And well, 
Could our relationship with the Lord Jesus be like that? No matter what happens, all the bombs go off, all the, everything could go happen wrong in this world, we, our eyes are just locked on him. Could, could we have a relationship like that with him, right? So I'll ask you, and again, it's a rhetorical question, answering your heart. What does the Lord Jesus mean to you? What does your relationship with him mean? Now, now, this is a very practical question because, and we read about shepherd and sheep in John 10, didn't we, right? And we, uh, we, you know, we don't have time to go into all the parable and what it means, but the Lord Jesus talked about shepherd and sheep, and the Lord Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, I think, uh, I'm debating whether we should do this, but... Uh, and I don't see any, you guys are being awesome. I don't see anybody falling asleep. I'm very impressed. But, uh, but usually to wake people up, preachers say, hey, why don't we stand up? Can we stand up? Can we stand up? If you can, that's okay if your legs hurt. Can we stand up? All right. And uh, all right, maybe the kids could help us out. What sound does a sheep make? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> All right, you guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. I want to say that you guys are sheep. They'll walk on two legs, right? Because most sheep, well, I mean, I'm not a, some of you guys are farmers, so I don't know. But sheep walk on four legs, right? But you guys are sheep that walk on two legs. Two legs, right? And, and you guys even did a great baha and everything, okay? All right? So th this is what John 10 talks about. It compares us to sheep. Which is actually humbling, right? It's actually humbling because sheep are like, you know, they're like kind of these weak, puny uh, animals, right? And uh, we read it. We read it. I don't know if you remember. I said, I'm emphasizing this, right? The Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I call them by name. And he says, he leads them out, right? He leads them out of the, the sheepfold, right? He leads them out, right? He's like going out to outdoors, right? And uh, since I've been here, uh, I had some wonderful fellowship. But I think the first night, me and my family, we decided to, dr to drive outdoors, right? To go outside. And I think we went to the lake. I forgot the name of that beach. What's it called? Delta Beach? Delta Beach. Yeah, we went to the beach in the middle of the night. We're trying to see the northern lights, right? And we're seeing the beauty of Manitoba. Uh, you know, I've never been to Manitoba. So we're seeing the beautiful outside of Manitoba. And we're trying to see the northern lights. And uh, it was really dark. And it's wonderful to go outside and be outdoors because you see some beautiful things. I don't know if you've been in different places here in Canada, but I heard the Canadian Rockies are beautiful. You see the mountains and you see rivers and you see meadows. And there's wonderful things outside, right? And the Lord said he leads his sheep out, right? And you think about sheep, go and have, you know, beautiful grass and creeks and meadows or whatever, right? But when you go outside, you go outside, there's also dangers right dangers and and we were having a conversation and uh, as we were looking trying to find the northern lights I think it was Thursday night well I told my wife you know it'd be really cool but kind of scary to hear wolves howling in the background right right I don't know I you know I think probably further north in Manitoba there's actual wolves right and you know what Sheep's are, sheep are very scared of wolves, right? And I think I Googled it. Even in North, North Manitoba, there are 
bears and grizzly bears and things that could maul sheep, right? And I think uh, 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 Rachel and Grabwith were talking about some of the predators we have in Florida, which you guys don't have to worry about. We have alligators in Florida, okay? So, so there are these dangers when you go outside, right? And spiritually, there are dangers, right? The Lord said he takes us out. He takes us out, right? But there are dangers outside, right? And 1 Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? And there's all these dangers. In fact, when I was a young man, had a wonderful elder in my assembly. I grew up in Florida. And he said, he told me, he said this. Remember in Florida, they call me Johnny. He goes, Johnny, the, there's so many dangers out there. There's so many dangers out there. Better watch out. In fact, the, when I, he said, when I was growing up, the dangers were way out there. Now the predators have come so close, so close, and they just want to devour you. And what a great thing for an elder to tell a young man, right? The, the dangers want to devour you. Now, how do sheep, how do sheep fight wolves? How do sheep, does a sheep have stand a chance against a wolf or against a bear or against a crocodile or an alligator? You think, no, sheep are like these weak animals, right? I don't know if you've seen, uh, if you've seen the National Geographic, you know, some of these uh, uh, shows, uh, you know, some of these videos from Africa. You see the lion trying to chase down and eat a zebra or a gazelle. You know what? The only protection that a zebra and a gazelle have is that they run away and they're fast. But, I, I mean, I don't have much experience with sheep, but are sheep fast animals? I mean... No, they're not, right? Do sheep have big claws to, like, fight back? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I know they have teeth, but they don't have sharp teeth either, right? The only protection, this is really important, the only protection that sheep have is the shepherd, right? That's it, right? Sometimes I wish the Lord would make us, like, super sheep, like we have, you know, we're superheroes and just go and fight wolves and have no problem, be strong. But the Lord doesn't do that. Right? You guys stood up and you guys, you know, I said you're a sheep in two legs. The only protection we have is the shepherd. Right? The only protection we have is the shepherd. And uh, the only way we could uh, maybe, maybe fight, you know, stand any chance against the, the sin out there that wants to devour us is to get really, really, really close to the shepherd. And that's why I said this is very practical in the spiritual walk, is you need to get close to the shepherd because there's many sins and the devil wants to devour us, right? You guys are Christians. And we just uh, heard about our brother Josh Kleinman, right? And he said, what, what just his text said, we need an SOS, right? The, the devil is working overtime, right? And I'm so, so happy with the brothers who prayed for him, right? And the devil wants to devour you. Well, I want to say that I've seen, and this is where I put, my, put, my, uh, put some of my, my personal life on the line, but I've seen and i experienced a sheep being devoured by sin. A sheep being devoured by sin. And uh, it's probably the saddest thing to see. I mean, I don't know if you've seen uh, a young man or a young woman just overcome with sin, right? Now, I'm going to tell you some of, my, some of my struggles. And I'm going to leave some out because there are young ears here. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to 
be this public to, to tell you some of my struggles, but I would tell you some. And I, I struggle with a, a big sin that I didn't know I had for a long time. The sin is called pride. And I was devoured by pride. The other sin I had is called the fear of man. I was devoured by that sin. The fear of man. Now, um, I don't know, and I'm going to reference this. We didn't have time to read it, but I'm going to reference the story of Peter. You guys remember the apostle Peter, how he denied the Lord, right? You guys remember, at least remember that story a little bit? Because Peter was inside an upper room, right? And it was a wonderful time, right? And the, 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 there the Lord established the new covenant, and, you know, the, he, he established a remembrance meeting, and he was, uh, the Lord Jesus was with his disciples, and they had this wonderful fellowship, right? And Peter says, Lord, and, and now I'm paraphrasing, he said, Lord, I, I love you. I'm ready to go and die with you. And, uh, man, did he say some bold words. And I was just like that. I could stand some, something like this, right? It's easy to go and claim the Lord Jesus, right? In a room like this full of Christians and say, say Lord, I love you. And uh, maybe I even said, I'm, uh, I'm ready to die for you. And that's easy to say in an upper room. Lord, Lord, I claim you. How wonderful you are, right? But then Peter went outside, Went out of the upper room where it was cold, right? And he was surrounded, maybe soldiers. And it was a little girl that said, surely you're with him. Surely you're one of them. And you know what he said? He said, I don't know him. I don't know him at all, right? I don't know him. And he denied the Lord. And you know what? They asked him again. And, uh, well, he started swearing. I swear I don't know him. And while he, uh, he knew some bad words, it sounds like, and he even started cursing. And while if he would have met me in my younger days, I would come to a church like this and I would say, yes, I know him. Yes, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. But then you put me, and, uh, and I want to say, maybe my, my sin's worse than Peter's, because Peter's was worried about his life. My life was not on the line. But you put me in a room full of while other students, intellectuals. And you know what I would do? I would be just like Peter. I would throw the Lord right under the bus and say, I don't know him. And uh, even in high school, I would uh, even swear, even say a couple of bad four-letter words to pretend I don't know him. And that's what I did. And I had the fear of man instead of the fear of God. And... Uh, well, I'm in the medical field. I'm like a uh, brother, Nathan Dow. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also a doctor. But I remember being a med student. And you're in a room full of intellectual doctors, right? right? They're just people that went to, to school too long. But, but uh, and that's what I did. I went to school too long. But you're there. You're like, I was embarrassed of the Lord Jesus. I didn't want to claim him, right? I would pretend I didn't know him. I was just like Peter, or you could say even worse. And I had this sin, the fear of what other people thought about me instead of the fear of God. Well, this is what happened. This is my story. Uh, um, I think our, our sister Courtney's not here because I think our sister Courtney and Jeremy are picking up 
picking up Courtney's father, right? Um, Courtney's father is on his way here, and this is where I met Courtney's father during this week. But and I don't have time to go into it, but the Lord, the Lord worked it out. So, so I saw some of him doing some amazing things. This is when we had just started living in Pittsburgh. And then the Lord, I saw the Lord do some amazing things, and through uh, circumstances, the Lord brought me to a small, small conference down way far from here, down in, uh, in Georgia, in Georgia, down in the United States, in a camp called Camp Hope, right? They don't even have this conference anymore, but it was a, it was a men's conference, right? And in this men's conference, there was only like, I don't know, like 20, 20 men, and we're having a Bible study, and the Bible study was good, and I had learned some things, but the Lord did not take me there for the Bible study, okay? The Lord did not take me there for the Bible study. What happened is just a handful of guys, like, you know, 12, 13 guys in the evening, I think it was at night, probably like closer to 9 p.m., we would go into like the, you know, I think the, the basement there, and there were some nice couches there, and we would sit there, and a, and a brother, and again, uh, uh, Courtney's father was there, that's when I met, first met him, and a couple other guys were there, I think our brother Scott DeGroff, I think he was he visited, right, as some of you know him, there were other men there, and they, and they said, hey, Let's pray. Let's get together and pray. And said, let's pray and let's, let's have the Holy Spirit, Spirit lead our prayer. And so we started praying, right? And I have never, ever, ever experienced prayer like this, ever. And it's, a, it's much to my shame. I was already, I think, in my 30s. Much to my shame. I have never, ever experienced prayer like this. And these men just started pouring their hearts out before the Lord, right? Started confessing some sins that... That, yeah, well, I won't stay here because, again, some, some young children. But they started confessing their sins and just pouring their heart out before the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord started moving in that prayer meeting. And the Lord started convicting. And started, the Lord started convicting me. And this is what happened. Remember we read, God resists the proud. God resists the proud. This is what happened. It felt like the Lord was just resisting me. Now, you know, the Lord has never talked to me audibly, but he made this very clear. He talked to me through the Holy Spirit. And it felt like the Lord was putting his hand right on me. I felt like this weight was just on me, right? This weight of conviction of my sin. And I remember praying, praying quietly. This is not out loud. I was praying quietly within my heart, saying, Lord, Lord, I can't be like this, man. I can't go and confess my sin. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed to tell them all the filth I've done. I'm too embarrassed to say, say it out loud what I've done and confess my sin to you, Lord, before these men. Lord, and then I said this, Lord, I'm too proud. I can't do that. And that's when the Holy Spirit revealed to me. The Holy Spirit revealed to me and the, the Lord said to me, you care more about what other people think, even these men, then you care about my holy name. You care more about what others think than you care about my holy name, my holy, holy, holy name. And uh, it was like a revelation because, like I said, I didn't even know I had this sin. I would throw the Lord under the bus and deny him without even, like, almost like a, a reflex when I was in public. And I was like, you know what, Lord, you're right. I care more about my name, my reputation, or what others think about me. 
and I haven't lifted up the name of the Lord Jesus. I haven't said I belong to him. And wow, you know, that day, that day it felt like the Lord was just resisting me. And I felt like, I think the Lord's going to crush me. That's what it felt like. And just the, the, way, the weight of sin, the weight of unconfessed sin. And, sin, and I started, and I repent and I started confessing my sin and I started praying out loud and I said Lord forgive me Lord I cared more about what other people think than I cared about your name than I care about the Lord Jesus I care about claiming him and you know what the Lord the Lord forgave me and it was uh and it was amazing it was like it was like the, the way, I don't know, the Lord was resisting me. It's like he stopped resisting me. And that day it was like just the love just poured into my heart. I, I, I can't tell. I had some wonderful days, you know, like, like the day I married my wife was a wonderful day. Like the day, you know, my, my first child was, or both my children, but my first child was born. It was wonderful and beautiful, you know. And I had some, you know, wonderful, just, just secular days. Like the first day I went snow skiing was awesome, you know. But, uh, but uh, I want to say that just that day, about 10 years ago, in, in, uh, in Georgia, in the United States, was one of the most wonderful days I ever had with the Lord. It's like the love just poured out into my heart. And I repented. And I confessed my sin before him. And I want to say, I drew near to the Lord. That's why it's so practical, to draw near to the Lord. And you know what? All these other sins that I struggle with, is almost like they lost their power. They lost their power. And it was, uh, I mean, I still some had to fight and struggle against them. But they were not uh, like overwhelming like they were. I was not, no longer devoured by them. And it was wonderful that day. And, well, I never forget that day. That's why I want to encourage you to draw near to the Lord. Now, uh, I, think, uh, I think I promised we'll be uh, going as fast. Uh, do I have, like, five more minutes? Is that okay? Huh? Good? Okay. Well, I want to say drawing near to the Lord is an individual thing. That's why I told you such a personal story. It's individual thing, okay? Right? I know we're in a church setting, right? We're in a church meeting, but it's between you and the Lord. That's why I said it's so personal. Because, um, because, uh, um, well, the Lord Jesus is talking to churches in the book of Revelation, right? Chapter 2 and chapter 3 says, uh, right to the church in Ephesus, right to the church in Thyatira, right to the church in Laodicea, right? He's talking to churches, right? But it's almost like, like he says, you know, I'm talking to church, but I'm talking to individuals, right? And our brother quoted this verse yesterday, and that's why I thought about this. He said, he who has an ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, right? And right now I'm talking to a whole church, right? The whole church gathering, but, well, it's individual, right? I, that's why I asked you personally. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says, right? It's an individual thing, and that's why I told you a personal story, right? And then, 
And then it's almost individual. And I know, and I know there's these promises after the, the, uh, the Lord says he has ears to hear, makes these promises to the overcomer. See, who overcomes, I will do this. He overcomes, I'll do that. He overcomes, I will grant to stay with me on my throne, right? And this incredible promises that I know commentators, and, and I kind of agree with them, applies to every Christian. But it's almost like the Lord's talking to you individually, to him who overcomes, right? Individually, I will do these amazing things for you, right? That's why it's individual. And as individuals draw near to the Lord, of course, the, you know, that lifts the church. The whole church draws near to the Lord, right? But it's individuals. And we read this, we read this in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, right, to the overcomer. He has ears to hear. And I'm going to tell you uh, a story because we read there, you know, he has ears to hear, let him hear. And then it says, I will give to them of the, eat to eat of the hidden manna. And I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, I can make comments, but we're, we're trying to go fast. But then it says, um, to the overcomer, I will, I will give to him a white stone and a name written on it, which no one knows except the one who receives it, right? We're going to tell him a stone with a name on it. So I'm going to tell this story very briefly, if you could bear with me. But there is a missionary i think he's still alive right he's still with us he hasn't gone to be with the lord but he's very old right i've never met him i only read his autobiography uh, the the book's called brushko has anybody read that book brushko you read it <laughs> right brushko is uh, uh and so sorry this is gonna be a repeat for you but uh the, the book's called brushko is uh, the story about our brother named Bruce Olson, Bruce Olson. I think he's, uh, he's, I guess he grew up not too far from here, down in, in Minnesota. And, uh, and when he was a very, very young man, the Lord convicted him. He wanted to be a missionary. He went down to, went way down to where my family's from, way down in South America, and went to the jungles of Colombia, the jungles between Colombia and Venezuela. And there he tried to witness to, to uh, you know, the natives there, right, the indigenous people there, right, to, uh, to a deep, deep tribe, deep into the jungle, this Stone Age people, right, called the Motilones, right, the Motilone Indians, right, and, uh, oh, forget that word, but, uh, the, sorry, um, so he was trying to witness to the Motilones, and uh, it, uh, it's amazing how the story, it took him a long time, he almost got killed a bunch of times, but he finally was able to be accepted by this tribe, right, deep in the jungle, and, um, and he met this young man, right? His, uh, this young man's uh, his name was, uh, if I could pronounce it right, it's called Bobadi Shoda. Bobadi Shoda, right? And uh, him and this young man became super good friends, right? Super good friends. And in fact, he actually renamed him. He said, hey, that's a hard name. Can I call you Bobby, right? And he, and he couldn't say Bruce, Bruce Olsen. So that's why he said, I'm going to name you Brushko, right? So they call him Brushko. And he called his best friend Bobby, right? Not Bobadi Shorta, but Bobby, right? So they were the best friends, right? In fact, Bobby became the very first convert. And you could argue that, that really Bruce Olson only really had one convert, which was Bobby. And Bobby is the one who actually brought the gospel to his entire tribe, and his entire tribe got saved, right? It was the only he really had, you know, one convert, but, you know, the, uh, the fruits with the Lord, right? But uh, in this book, you'll just almost like fall in love with his best friend, this guy Bobby, right? And they were super close together. It was Brushko and Bobby. Brushko and Bobby, and they were the best of friends, right? And in fact, one day Bobby told Bruce Olsen, Brushko, say, 
he, to, he told them, look, we in our tribe have, everyone has a secret, super, super secret name, right? It's our true identity, right? A secret, secret name, our true identity. And he said, the only per- people that know this name is, you know, my wife and my parents. That's it. No one else knows it. But I'm going to tell you my secret name. And Bobby went and told Bruce Olson, Brusco, his secret name, right? He went and told him his secret name. And in fact, uh, Bobby's not with the Lord, but, uh, but uh, Bruce Olson in his book does not tell us what that name is, right? It's so secret, he wanted to just keep it between him and, and Bobby. So they had a secret name. Now, I want to say that as the book goes on, you start reading, they had this a pandemic, right? We just survived a pandemic or maybe we're still in the middle of it. I don't know, right? COVID-19. But they had a pandemic in their tribe deep in the jungle, right? They had the pandemic in their tribe and it was uh, measles, right? They had this measles pandemic. You know, most of them were, were uh, you know, not immune to measles. And they, uh, the whole tribe got measles except, you know, Bruce or Bruce Olsen, right? And he's trying to nurse everybody back to health. Now, usually, I mean, has anybody here had measles? Anybody? I know it's, uh, you had measles, right? It used to be, it used to be uh, more common before the, uh, you know, before I think the, the mid-1960s, uh, the vaccine came out for measles. But anyways, so measles, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a medical doctor. I have never, ever seen measles, okay, but, uh, because it's so rare. But measles is a pretty, I think it makes you really, really sick, but usually people don't die from measles. It just makes you really, really sick, and usually kids get it. Now, the people who are most vulnerable to do the worst when you get measles are Usually someone's really, really old, advanced in years, or someone's super, super duper young. So thank the Lord and the tribe, only, only two people died, right? It was only, I think a one-year-old died, and then this old, old, old man, right? This old, old, old man died. But as this old man was dying, right, he was very weak. His body was dehydrated. He was laying there, and this, this missionary, Bruce Olson, Brusco, kept trying to give him water, trying to keep him alive, right? And he went unconscious, and then, you know, he, he got his, uh, you know, he regained some consciousness again. This old, old man, this old, old man regained consciousness, and he said, he said, Jesus is calling me. He kept saying, Jesus is calling me. And then he said, Jesus, call me by my secret name. And they said, no one alive knows my secret name. And then he, said, then he kept saying, Jesus knows my secret name. And well, that man ended up dying and going to be with the Lord. Right? And you see here... I mean, many commentators say many, many different things about a white stone and a name. And, you know, I don't know what it all means. But uh, it says that the Lord wants to give us a name, a secret name that just you just share between you and him, right? That no one else knows, just you and him. It's just kind of this personal name. That's how close the Lord wants us to be to him. That's how close our relationship should be to him, where we just have a special name just between us and the Lord Jesus. And that's what God wants from you. That's what the Lord Jesus wants from you. He wants to give you a secret name. Anyways, I will, I will end with the question, what does the Lord Jesus mean to you? I don't know if you want me to end in prayer or...
Okay. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, uh, well, Lord, this salvation was first in your mind, and it was all your idea. It wasn't our idea. We were who were dead in trespasses and sins, oh, separated from all your promises and all the covenants. Lord, it was you who went to a relationship with us. It was you who first loved us. It was you who sent your son down to die for us. It was you, Lord, who, who wants to, to be in fellowship with you, in a loving relationship with you, Lord. And, oh, Lord, you made everything possible. You made everything. You decided that no one would perish, but we all would come to repentance. And uh, you have a plan for all of us, and you want us to be so close and dear to your heart. Lord, we are, we're the ones who sometimes draw, pull away and draw away. Lord, I pray that every person here would know this individually and could say individually, the Apostle Paul, the Lord who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Lord, may we draw near to your heart and we take, take this promise, draw near to God and you will draw near to us. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.